Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Years now since we first moved to Benicia. And we moved to Benicia, we moved to the suburbs um, with a sense of call that God had on our hearts to start a new church and to be, um, to be developing a new ministry in this community. And we really had this sense that, that this is where God wanted us to be. And it was a little bit different from where we were living before, but you know, we just felt that this was... And of course, part of the deal was we were actually going to be able to buy a brand new home. And I thought, okay, Lord, if we've got to suffer for Jesus, you know, I guess if that's part of the pact, we'll do it. So we did. We actually were able to buy, um, and, 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 and it was just like a dream come true. You know, this was like our dream home. If I could have designed my own dream home, this was, this is the kind of house I would want to live in. This is the kind of house I would want to design for myself. And we were so thrilled, and we got all the stuff worked out, you know, all the paperwork and all the selling of our house in Daly City and all that stuff. And we moved into our brand new home, and, you know, throughout the week we were moving stuff in. And Friday night we kind of finished up all of the last of filling the cupboards, you know, and putting the last bit of stuff away. And, and finally just went to bed Friday night, just totally exhausted, but exhilarated about living in our new home. <clears throat> only to wake up Saturday morning to the sound of running water. And as we lay there in bed, you know, still kind of half asleep, coming to consciousness, my wife says, do you hear the water running? And at that time I could hear. And I said, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think I do. Where's it coming from? She said, I don't know. You better go check. So I got up, you know, and I wandered out and walked down the stairs into the entryway and I looked around and our son was in the family room and he was watching cartoons on TV, seven years old at the time. And, and I walked and I stepped off the hardwood floor onto the carpet to the sound of squish. Evidently, he had gotten up that morning, used the toilet, flushed it, and the water just kept running. <laughs> Somewhere in the construction process, that, that particular drain got plugged. And so for about a half hour, water was running, and half of our downstairs was flooded. You know, I mean, just everything. And the next day, we were going to have church in our living room. <laughs> so, you know, frantic call to the builders, and their emergency guy came out, and he pulled up all of the carpet and cut out all of the padding and brought in the fans and aired everything out and got it all put back together by Sunday morning. But I just thought, isn't that just typical? You know, isn't that just, isn't that just kind of a, a typical of life? You have your hopes, your dreams, your expectations. Everything's working out just the way that you plan. But there's always like one little thing. You know, it never seems to be quite the same in reality as it was in your dreams. And sometimes they're minor disappointments and sometimes they're major disappointments. But there's no way in the world that you avoid disappointment in life. Because even in your dream home, toilets back up. <laughs> and roofs eventually leak. And the gophers invade the garden and the lawn, you know? And even in the best of schools and school districts, students still get C's and D's and sometimes F's. And even in the best of neighborhoods, homes get burglarized, cars get broken into, iPods get stolen, you know? It's just that's life in this world. And living in the suburbs doesn't insulate you from that kind of stuff. Because it doesn't matter where you live. That's the reality of life on this world. And nobody says it out loud. Nobody says it out loud. But inside, every one of us thinks, this shouldn't be happening. Not to me. Not in my neighborhood. Not in my town. You know, This kind of stuff happens to other people. Paul wrote these words to the Roman church. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing 
with the glory that will be revealed in us. Creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That's life on this world. It's groaning. It's frustration. That's where we live. Right here in suburbia. (laughs) But he goes on. Verse 28. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those He predestined, He also called. And those He called, He also justified. And those He justified... He's also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then can condemn? Christ Jesus who died more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, verse 37, he says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, life is filled with minor irritations. Life is filled with major hardships. Life is filled with disappointment. And living in the suburbs doesn't insulate you from that. Although I think sometimes we think it ought to. He says, the answer is not to insulate yourself from it because you can't. And the answer isn't just to learn coping skills to deal with it. He says, there is something far deeper for us that we can actually grow through discouragement and through disappointment. And whatever disappointments you have had in your life, whatever disappointments you might be feeling right now, he says, there is a way to not only cope with it, but to actually grow through it. And the key in this passage is, over and over again, he uses this phrase, we know. He says, there are certain things that we know, and we know them to be true. And because of that, we can grow through our difficulties and grow through our disappointments. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. How do you grow? How do you grow through disappointment? Well, the first thing he points out is we've got to learn to acknowledge life's limitations. Life on this earth has its limitations. The first thing he says we know is we know that God, that God created, all that God created has been groaning. And that's not all. He says we also groan inside. There is a groaning to life on this earth. He goes, verse 20, in, for creation was subjected to frustration. Frustration, decay, groaning. Frustration, decay, groaning. If you're a Giants fan, you know these terms quite well. (laughs) Okay? You know groaning. (laughs) 
You know frustration. If you're a Niners fan, if you're a Raiders fan, you know these words. But he says, that's life. It's just all a part of life. And he says, don't be surprised. 1 Peter 4.12 puts it this way. Don't be surprised by the painful suffering you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. He said, that's life. Do you remember as a kid, did you ever read the story, The Little Engine That Could? Do you remember this story? You know, the, the circus train is coming to town, and the circus train breaks down. And so along comes the little engine. And they say, well, let's hook up the little engine to the circus train. And, and so the little engine that could. They hook him up to the circus train, and he's up in front of a big hill, and he's like, I don't know if I can make it, but I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And all the way up the hill, he's saying to himself, I think I can. I think I can. And he gets over the crest of the hill and comes down into the city on the downhill side. He's like, I thought I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. I thought I could. And there's a sense in every one of us that we keep thinking we can. If we just put a little more effort into it, if we just work a little bit harder at it, if we just figure out some way and some strategy and some ability to do it, we can do this. But the truth of the matter is that there are some hills that cannot be overcome. Not every dream comes true. Not in this world. And he says you need to understand that. Life on this earth has limitations. Don't be surprised by it. And I think very often for Christians, we struggle with this. Because somehow to admit that life has its limitations or somehow we haven't fulfilled all that we wanted, that somehow as Christians, that's, that's a negative confession. It shows a lack of faith, a lack of trust. And sometimes we deal with it, well, well it's the attacks of the enemy. You know, Satan's after me. If Satan's been, oh, he's been giving me a hassle this week. Or some people say, well, maybe it's God. Maybe God's punishing me. And what Paul is saying, no. Nine times out of ten, it's just life in this world. That's the way it is. We live in a world that is subjected to frustration. This is not the end of the story. But with that, he gives us some hope. And that's the promise. The promise that he gives us in all of this is, is there is hope that all creation has been groaning. He says, yes, but it's been groaning as in the pains of childbirth. That makes all the difference. I don't know of a single mother who looked into the eyes of that newborn child and didn't think it was worth it. And I know that to be the case because you keep having second and third and fourth children, okay? <laughs> eh. Because there is something about, yeah, the pain is, it doesn't lessen the pain at all. The pain is still there. But there is a sense that something came out of this pain. There's a new life because of it. And what Paul is helping us to understand is, yes, this life is filled with disappointment and pain. But he says, understand, it's like the pains of childbirth. And there's a big difference between a woman who is suffering pain and doesn't know what's going on with her body and a woman who is going through the pains of childbirth in anticipation of a life that is about to be born. It makes all the difference. The pain might be the same, but the outcome makes it all worth it. And he says that's the hope that we have. It is a confident expectation that whatever it is that we might be going through, whatever frustrations, whatever limitations, whatever disappointment, it's that we can look forward to something beyond this. And that's what makes the difference. Hope gives us the ability to look at our disappointment through the eyes of the future. That there is something more going on here. 
And so instead of becoming consumed with the present circumstances or becoming embittered about what might have been, we're able to embrace the future in a different way. We understand the last chapter hasn't been written yet. The story is still unfolding. And so Paul says, who hopes for what he already has? We don't have it yet. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. That's the hard part. <laughs> he says, understand, life on this earth, it has its limitations. This is not the end of the story. It's still unfolding. So understand that and acknowledge the limitations. But he says, on top of that, then begin to look for God's hand at work. That's the second thing he says that we know. Verse 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. He says, that's the second thing we can know about disappointment. We know that God is working. We know life has its limitations, but we also know that in that, God is working. Now, notice he doesn't say everything that you go through is going to be good. That's not the promise. But what he says in the middle of all of it, God is working good. And what we need to do is begin to see, God, what are you doing here? And instead of asking the question which we typically ask, why me, Lord? He says a better question would be, what, Lord, are you doing in me? What is it that I need to learn? What is it that you're doing here? You see, when I keep asking the question, why me, it feeds these feelings of victimhood. You know, I'm helpless, it all just happens to me, and, and everybody else is to blame. And at least a cynical and embittered. If we begin to ask the question, okay, God, what are you doing here? What is it that you're trying to show me? Where is it that I've kind of lost sight of what's really important? Then it makes disappointment much more redemptive and healing and proactive. The promise that he's given to us is that there is meaning even in our disappointments. There is meaning and purpose to it. When we run into problems and trials, he said, they help us learn to endure. And endurance develops strength of character in us. And character strengthens our confident expectation. James wrote about the very same thing. He said, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete. God's working. God is working in your life. In our small group, we've been going through a study together, uh, a video series um, done by John Ortberg. And in this last week, we were looking at one of the things he was talking about was this character of resilience. That, that people who, are, who have resilience, there are certain qualities that, of people who are resilient. And, and then these are things, by the way, that don't, you either have or you don't have. These are things that you can learn to develop. And resilience, he said, they've done studies. And as they've done studies of people who tend to be, you know, people who can bounce back from difficulty, who can overcome disappointment, who can actually grow and thrive no matter what the circumstances are, there are certain qualities and characteristics that are in these kinds of people. And there are things that we can develop in each of our lives. The first is people who have a resilient quality and characteristic about their life are able to take decisive action. They're able to take decisive action. They may not be able to do everything about the situation, but they find what they can do, and they do what can be done. A lot might be happening to them that they have no control over, but they find ways that they can do one thing to keep moving forward. It's a character and quality of resiliency. 
The other thing they found is the people who are resilient personalities tend to be, have very strong moral convictions. They have strong moral convictions and they do not sacrifice and they do not betray their values. No matter what the circumstances, they hang with the things that they know to be true. And the third quality that they found in resilient people is they are able to find meaning even in their disappointments. They're able to see something of worth and value in it, whatever it might be. And it's the very same thing that the Apostle Paul is writing about here. Finding meaning that God is at work. One of the things that Paul says is that that disappointment and discouragement is an integral part of the maturing process. He said, this is how it works. You learn to endure. And that develops strength of character and that builds confident expectation. Difficulties bring about maturity. And he wants us to be mature and complete. They are integral to it. They're not comfortable, but they are integral to the whole growth and development process. When we were raising our kids, we had certain expectations of them, certain behaviors that we demanded of them. They had certain responsibilities. They had chores that they had to do. Sometimes they had to be disciplined. And it was often uncomfortable for them. (laughs) But what we were trying to do was instill in them character of maturity so that they can handle life on their own when they move out of the house. God's doing the same thing. He is developing you a character of endurance. He is building within you resiliency. The ability to keep moving forward no matter what. And it's only through disappointments and struggles sometimes that we discover our true values. What our real convictions are. And they become affirmed and sustained because of it. When we indulge ourselves in self-pity, all that we end up with is, is cynicism and bitterness. And we keep trying to put the blame on somebody else and we never get anywhere. When you open up yourself to God's work, what He begins to do is He reveals the false gods that you've put in your life. The false gods of comfort, ease, pride and conceit, control, all of those things that we feel like we have to have. He begins to reveal. Those are things that you cannot put your trust in because you don't have control. And it's not about comfort. In fact, if you let God do His work, it's going to be less about comfort and much more about character because that's what He wants to do. And when you open up yourself to what God is doing, you begin to develop a hunger for what really lasts. And not only that, we grow larger hearts of compassion we begin to live richer, fuller, deeper lives. Because it's not confined to my little world and my personal comfort. It's part of what God's doing through our disappointments. And he gives us a third key. He says, immerse yourself in God's grace. All these things he said, we know, we know, we know. But this one he says, now if you don't know anything else, he says this one. I am absolutely sure. I am absolutely sure that not even death or life can separate us from God's love. Nothing at all can ever separate us from God's love because of what Christ our Lord, Christ Jesus our Lord has done. Immerse yourself in His grace. A number of years ago now, uh, I went with a group on a whitewater rafting trip up on the Deschutes River in Oregon. It was a two-day uh, trip, and, um, and we went up, we camped, we, we rafted down. And it's, a pretty, it's a pretty intense river. Most of the rapids are like class four, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Just, oh, man, we had a blast. 
And uh, on, the, on the one day we're coming down, every, every rapid, on the, every river that has rapids, every rapid has a name to it, okay? So there, there's, there's, there's one set of rapids that they have on the Deschutes River. It's called Upper Elevator and Lower Elevator. And those names are well-earned, okay? They're, they're not one of these twisty, turny kind of rapids. They're like a flume, just a straight chute. And this wide river narrows down to a very, very narrow slit. And it's about a 20-foot drop, and there's two, one right after the other. And, and, and you know, our guide took us through there. We were on like a three, three rafts of us, and we just went through the thing. Man, what a rush. Just, just picked up speed. The water was just rushing through. Boom, right through the flume, down, hit the bottom, come up, hit the next one. Boom, out the other side. Wow, that was cool. So the guy says, okay, now let's paddle over to the side. So we all paddled over and we got over to the side and pulled the raft up on shore. And he says, now, if you really want to have some fun, he says, we're going to do it again. Only this time you can go through just in your life vest. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, sign me up. So we all, you know, we pulled up the rafts up on the shore and we, we trekked our way up, up, you know, back up river and, and got to the top of this place. And, uh, and he said, okay, now here's what you got to do. Jump in the water and kind of paddle yourself out. Get yourself situated with your feet forward. And he says, the water all comes to a V. He says, aim for the V. Keep your feet in front of you. Aim for the V. He says, and what you're going to do is, you're going to get sucked up in that water. It's going to pull you over. the. And it's like, it's like, it's, it's like barely not a waterfall is what this thing is. Okay? And you're going to go through it. You're going to come out the other side. You're going to go plunge down deep in the water. So get a good breath as you go down. Okay? And then hold on because you're going to pop up. Take another breath because you're going to go over the second one. You know, you got about two seconds to get a second breath. All right. You know, so I get out there and I get myself and it was exactly as it was advertised, you know. So, you know, and just, let's do it again, you know. So all of us, we got over the side and we said, let's go through as a train. So we all got in line and we held onto the feet in front of the guy behind us, you know. And we went through it three or four times. What a rush. But what the guy told us is, here's the deal. You got to let the river control you. Because you're going to have no control over the river. All you can do is get yourself out in the middle of the river, aim for the V, and hold your breath. <laughs> we need to learn to immerse ourselves in God's grace that way. To understand we're not in control. But just get ourselves out in the middle of the river. Take a deep breath. And hold on. He says, that is the grace of God. Immerse yourself in His grace. I'm absolutely sure that nothing can separate us from His love. That's the promise. The promise that He has given us is the promise of an inexhaustible love. An inexhaustible love. In fact, let me read that whole section to you because I kind of gave a short version on your outline. Let me read the whole thing. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He says, No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I looked at that and I tried to come up with as many adjectives as I could to describe what that love is, is like that he's describing here. It's an inexhaustible love, but it's even more than that. It's an immeasurable love, an unstoppable love, an unquenchable love, an unfailing, a relentless love. 
He says, rest in that. Immerse yourself in that. In the middle of your disappointments and when you're wondering where in the world is God, he says, take a look at the cross. God did not spare his own son. He gave him up for us all. Then won't he also freely give us everything else? He didn't spare his own son. If he shows you that kind of love, isn't he going to take care of the rest? If you find yourself in the middle of disappointment this morning and you're wondering, where's God? Where's God in the middle of all of this? Take a look at the cross. Because in that, he's showing you, I'm right here. He doesn't shield us from disappointment. What he does do is he joins us in the middle of it. And he gathers us in. And he holds us tight. And he speaks words of comfort and promise and hope. And he guides us through it. And that you can rely on. He's never going to abandon you. He's never going to leave you out there fending for yourself, drowning in that water. Immerse yourself in his love. You know, the thing that I find very often when people go through times of discouragement and disappointment, a lot of what comes along with that is feelings of failure. And it doesn't seem to matter whether it's something that they brought upon themselves or something that somebody else did to them. There's always this feeling of failure. I should have seen it coming. I should have known better. I should have chosen differently. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know? And we start beating ourselves up. So on top of the disappointment, now we feel the shame and, and, and the guilt and everything that we pile on top of that. Romans 8.32 says, Jesus Christ who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God. And He is also interceding for us. You see, one hand, He's holding on tight with love. And with the other hand, he's standing before the Father, pleading our case. He says, that's the love. The immeasurable, inexhaustible love of God. And in that is hope. Romans 5, 5 says that hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts. Lewis Smeads is one of my favorite authors. I've read many of his books. And he wrote one a number of years ago called... How can it be all right when everything is all wrong? And he writes specifically about personal dark period in his life, just overwhelmed by the circumstances and just feeling all alone by everything. And he writes these words. He said, I have never known such a lonely pain, never such fear, never such helplessness, never such despair. I was lost, utterly lost. I felt a life of pious trying going down the drain. A life of half-baked belief in the grace of God exposed as futile. I was sunk. I screamed for help and none would come. I was making my bed in hell. I lay down in my spiritual waste, but I did not sink. When I was flopped into nothingness, I fell into God. The old Hebrew poet was right. You can make your bed in hell and find your rest still in God's hands. It is not a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God, no matter what Jonathan Edwards said. His hands are pierced with the nails from Christ's cross. His hands are the strength of his love, the power to hold us and keep us from falling into a hell without God. 
I discovered all by myself in touch only with my final outpost of feeling that I could be left deserted, alone, all of my scaffolds knocked down, all the stanchions beneath me pulled away, my buttresses fallen. I could be stripped of human hands and I could survive. In my deepest heart I survived, stood up, stayed whole, held by nothing at all except the grace of a loving God. I was in the hands of God. I could live by grace. Would you bow your heads with me? You might be here this morning facing disappointment. It might be disappointment about your home, your neighborhood. It might be disappointment about your job, career. Things haven't worked out the way that you had hoped. It might be disappointment about your marriage, your family. You might be disappointed in yourself. And in that, you're overwhelmed, you're feeling discouraged, and you're wondering to yourself, God, where are you? Where are you? And the answer that Paul gives us in this book of Romans is, he's right there with you in the middle of your hurt, in the middle of your disappointment. He is there. So open your heart to his loving grace. Admit the weaknesses and failures, the guilt and the shame that you're feeling because of them. Let go of all of your self-effort, control, and immerse yourself in his forgiveness, in his mercy, in his love and his grace. And just for a moment right now, let it wash over you. Know that you are loved by the God of creation. He sees you right here, right now, at this moment in your life. And he hasn't left you. He's right there in the middle of it with you. Lord, life is filled with disappointment. Sometimes it's minor irritations. Sometimes it's major setbacks. And it leaves us scrambling and feeling alone and lost and helpless. Some of us are there this morning. And we're wondering, where are you? Lord, let your love and your mercy wash over our hearts and souls. Let us hear your words of comfort and hope speaking to our hearts. Let us understand that you are doing a deeper work that couldn't be done any other way. But you're not going to leave us all on our own. Lord, break through this morning with your strength, with your love, with your grace, we pray. In Jesus' name.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. 